Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Today we are in week five on our Upside Down Kingdom. And, um, and I want to talk about something different. I want to talk about the topic, Revelation Light. Revelation Light. Now, it won't make sense now. But hopefully today it will bless you and, um, and it will, will answer a, a very important question that so many Christians have. Now when we planted this church, God gave us two scriptures. And, and, and I know some of you, most of you know the scriptures because we've preached through our values and I've said the scriptures so many times. But the two is, the two main scriptures that God gave us is John 1, 4 to 5 that says, In Him was life, it's talking about Jesus, and, and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. Now, it's incredible. I'll speak about it. The other scripture was Isaiah 61 that says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. Your light has come. It speaks about Jesus coming to save Israel. And it was a prophetic word, but it's also so prophetic for us as uh, believers in our day. And it says, And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and the deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and His glory will be seen upon you. Isn't that amazing? I want God's glory to be seen upon the church. Man, we, we can't afford not to have God's glory upon our church and upon my life. Otherwise, I'm just running a religious thing and, and, and playing a game. And it's not a game. It is a, it is a relationship. It's a, a, a relationship with, filled with life and power in our lives. Now, if you look at creation, there is two things that you can't get around. It is basically light and darkness. It was light and darkness. And, and, and it's something that is probably the most noticeable from creation, that it gets light and it turns dark. It is something so amazing. Now, it's amazing that, that the impact that life, light have on darkness. Now, I have spoken about this before, but it is still incredible. When you switch on a light, when it's pitch dark, as soon as you switch on that light, suddenly something changes. When you have a little firoki, a little match, and you just light that match, how much that little match have an impact on the darkness around you. You can't see your hand in front of your face, but as soon as you strike that match, something changed. I love that, that impact that life, light has on darkness. It's a story about the two farmers who rode past one evening, uh, past each other on, on the horseback, and that's what the farmers did in that day. And the one had a lantern, young man, and the old guy came in and said, hey, greeted each other, and he asked the young man, so what are you doing with the lantern? I said, no, I'm courting the lady there in the other farm. And the old farmer said, oh, when I courted my wife, I didn't need a lantern, I went in the dark. And the young farmer said, yeah, look what you got. <laughs> you see, we need light in our lives. I don't know about you, I, I, I courted my wife in the, in the light. <laughs> In exactly, light and light, spiritual light and physical light. We need light in our lives. We do. And the great thing is God created light for us. Before creation, what was there? Darkness. The, the scripture says, Genesis 1, and the earth was formless and dark. Darkness, it was formless and it was darkness on earth. And then God says, let there be light. He didn't say, let there be light and let there be darkness. Darkness was already there. He just created light. And then, what did he do? 
He's, he um, he um, divided light from darkness, and he still used the darkness that was there. Why? Because we as body, uh, how we were created, needed darkness to rest. It's incredible, isn't it? But the only purpose God created, there was no purpose for darkness, nothing. There was only purpose for light. And the purpose was for us to see. It was for us to see. Now, to see creation and to interact with creation and to rule over creation. Isn't that amazing? Now, as we read through the Gospels, we see numerous times that Jesus spoke about light. He spoke about light a lot of times. And then probably the most famous one was this. John 8 verse 12, it says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I love that, that verse. It's so powerful, isn't it? And see, I, God, when, God, when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. I don't know, I don't know about you, but I don't like walking in darkness. When I did my, my honors degree and um, I did my, uh, well, my final year, uh, I did in recreation science, um, you had to go in recreational camps and how to run events and all those things. And, and we had to have a time of solitude. So we were camping way in the bush and they threw all of us in a little minibus and they drove us through the field. Or it was one other 4 by 4 thing. And they stop every kilometer and they, they throw you off. So you're sitting here alone in the field in pitch darkness. And after like two minutes, like, man, this is not fun. I'm just walking behind the truck till I meet my friend. And we had a nice conversation because <laughs> it's not fun to be in darkness. God created us not for darkness but for light. Now, in the Passion Translation, if you look at that John 1 verse, verse 12, it says the following. It says, I am the light of the world and those who embrace me, those who embrace me will experience life-giving light. Two words, embrace and experience. Those who embrace me will experience me. Isn't that amazing? God says, when you embrace me, you will experience me. Now Jesus, and, and, and then if you experience what? He's talking about you will experience a life-giving light. A life-giving light. Now it's quite intriguing and it's deep. And Jesus says that, when you look at him, the light, because he says, I'm the light. When you look at him, the light, and follow and embrace him, you will experience something life-giving in your life. I don't know about you, but I want to experience something life-giving in my life every day. I want my relationships to be life-giving. I want my work to be life-giving. I want my children to be life-giving. I want everything I do to be life-giving, but I need to embrace him in everything. Now, I want to jump into Luke and with this in mind, and this is a foundation. I want to jump into Luke, and, and the Pharisees came to Jesus, and, he, and they asked him for a sign. And they spoke about to Jesus, well, but let, let's read the scripture first. Now, we're going to Luke 11, and it's, it's actually a long chapter in the Bible, and speaking about a lot of stuff, Jesus uh, talking about a bunch of stuff, but in verse 20, 29 to 30, the Pharisees actually came towards him and, and, and he said, well, give us a sign, Jesus. Now, this is actually quite hilarious why they asked for a sign. Jesus came and he said, as the crowds increased, Jesus said to the crowds, but he was actually talking to the Pharisees and the religious of heart in the crowds. And he said to them, this is a wicked generation. 
Man, if I were in that crowd and I was just in love with Jesus, I was embracing him and suddenly you're talking about the crowd, say, this is a wicked generation. I would be offended. I don't know about you. But he was not talking to any, any, everybody. He was talking to the Pharisees. He says, this is a wicked generation. It asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was assigned to the Ninevites, so also will the Son of Man be to this generation. How many of you have, have looked for a signpost in the dark? Now, when you were driving and suddenly you have no lights or you were looking for something on a farm. I had a lot of friends in farms, grew up and, and then you uh, went um, um, jackrabbit hunting, like springhouse. You went hunting and then you jump off the bucket and you chase the springhouse and then when you're out of the light... You, you know you can't see anything. And then you start looking for the signpost. With the signpost was the bucky with the light. But then the bucky has gone on and you alone in it. The, and then you have to chase after the bucky. It's fun times. <laughs> but it's not that easy when you're in darkness and you have to look for a signpost. Sometimes it's mostly impossible if the signpost is not lit. It's just a signpost. But there's still so many people and believers that keep on looking for a sign in the dark. They are. And the only thing they actually need is the light that shows the way. It's the only thing we need. You see, many people are constantly looking for signs of the times. Come on. When lockdown, COVID happened, oh, this is a sign of the, the end is near. The end is now. And I always said, you remember me saying it? If it's not good, it's not the end. Sorry to burst the bubble. If it's not good, it's not the end. Now, people are looking constantly for signs of the times, and the only sign they ever need is Jesus, the light that signs the way. <laughs> that's the only sign, only sign we actually need is Jesus, the light. And that's why Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Follow me. I'm the signpost you actually need the most. Now, what was really amazing to me about this Pharisees, and let me give you context. These guys came and he asked Jesus, Jesus, show us a sign. Now, if you go through the, gospel, the Gospels up until this point, this is about probably two years into Jesus' journey, Jesus basically eradicated sickness by this time in the nation of Israel and all over. He went from city to city, curing all diseases, chased out every demon, healed the brokenhearted. I mean, everywhere Jesus went, he calmed the storm. He did this. I mean, he, everywhere he went, he, he created something that, that was never the same. I mean, the demon possessed was cured. The, he, the sick was healed. I think if you calculated how many people Jesus healed, that he literally eradicated sickness in that time. Think about it. Here comes the Pharisees. <clears throat> Jesus, we need a sign. How ridiculous is that? <laughs> Just... Just follow Jesus for two, three days, and you will see numerous signs. So they were, there was something different with the Pharisees than the true believers. There was something different that, why do you, why do you ask for a sign? Where have you been? Now, the Pharisees and the religious leaders knew, and they were seeing the miracles, but they still wanted the sign because there was something in their heart they, they had no light. There was no light. Now then, 
We just looked at verse 23 and verse 33. If you look three verses on, Jesus gave the Pharisees and every follower in that group, he gave them something to really think about. Now I want to speak about these, um, these three verses from Luke 11, verse 33 to 36. Now 30, 33 says the following. He says, and this Jesus, he says, he spoke about all these things and, and they said, show us a sign. And he says, look, he, he cast the demon out because of the power of the, the devil. And he says, how can you use one to cast out the other? And he, and he went through all those things. And then he came to 33 and he says, no one lights a lamp and then hides it, un, and hides it or puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enters the house. Now, in the biblical context, a lamp was their life source. They didn't have nice LED lights. I mean, they had lamps. And, and I want to speak about a lamp later on, but it was a no, normal pot, uh, pottery lamp that they made from clay and, and there's oil in, and, and they, that's their light source. That's what they light up when it was dark. So Jesus asked the basic question and says, why do you go through all the trouble to light a lamp with the purpose to see in the darkness and then hide the lamp under a basket? What's the, what's the purpose? Why do you want to do that? I think everybody who listened to Jesus said, yeah, I mean, why? Who would be stupid enough to do that? Now, in our context today, it's the same thing. Why do I switch the light on and then screw out the light bulb? It's the same thing. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's like, I mean, there's something wrong with you. You need to maybe go and see a doctor if you want to do that. But when we walk around in the darkness, we cannot see the way or the truth. You see, we need to see the way and the truth. Now, as God's creation, we have a need to see the truth. I don't know about you. When somebody speaks to me, and I listen to these new things, I thought, but is that the truth? Am I the, am I the only one? We need truth in our lives. And sometimes the truth is shown when light is shined in darkness. That's what we need. But when there is no light, you struggle to see the truth. But when there is a light, it reveals the way to the truth. So as God's creation, we have the need for that truth. We have a need for truth. We have a need for light. And we have a need for salvation in our lives. That's what Jesus said. He came as the, as the true salvation. That's why he said, I'm the true light of the world. If you come to me, you will receive salvation. Some people think it's a, it's, a, it's a thing we do. We tick all the boxes and then you go to church and then you're a Christian. No, no. Jesus said, I am the light. And because if you see me, if you accept me, if you let me shine from you, you will have salvation in your life. You can feel like a Christian sitting in church, but you can be far from God. And I'll prove it to you later on. Now then, verse 34, and I love this verse. It says, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. Now, the word doesn't really speak about the physical eye. It speaks about the spirit. So he says, actually, say, your spirit is a lamp that provides light to your body. Now, Jesus spoke in metaphors, if you don't know about now. He did everything upside down. He used metaphors, he used stories to dive into people's lives, to make it easier for them to understand the gospel. So when he spoke about an eye, he spoke about the spirit and used it as a metaphor. Now, did you know that our, our, our eyes is probably one of the greatest miracles in our body? The eyes. 
We have over 120 million cells in our eyes that constantly react and interact with the light that enters our retina. Our eyes were created for light. Not just created for light, but it was created to react to light. So when I open my eyes and it's dark, nothing. But if you, show, if, if, you, if, if you sit in dark and you close your eyes, we usually do it when our kids fall. They get a bump in the head, so you close your eyes, and then I take the light and I shine it under, and then when they open it and their retina does this, you know that they're fine. When the retina stays open, you know, go to the doctor, because then it's a bump that you don't want. But our eyes react to light. They create it to light. All this 120 million cells work together, and if one of those cells goes out of sync, something happens with our eye. Isn't that incredible? 120 million cells that works together to interact with the light that comes in to our eyes. Now, our eyes wasn't created for darkness. Until today, scientists still tries to change our eyes to see in the dark. And they still struggle with it. It's like almost night vision. If you've seen pitch black, it's, it's not true. But our eyes were created, this creation, were created to interact with light, not darkness. So from this context, read, let's read John 8 again. If you look at react and interact. John 8 as well. I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows, react to or interact with me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Isn't that amazing? When the light shines, we, our spirit, were called, were created to interact and react to God and to Jesus. That's why we need His presence. That's why we can't just sit in a religious setting and, and go home. We need God's presence in our lives. And that's why I constantly ask in my life, so Lord, how can I get more of your presence? Because my body, my spirit that you have, when you get saved, God comes and fills your spirit. Our spirit is created to interact with God's presence. So God created us human beings to see. But to see means to react to light that brings color into our eyes, and our eyes formulates the colors into a picture. See, we are created with the ability to look at light and experience clarity of picture and then know what the truth around us is. It's amazing how amazing the eyes is. So, if Jesus speaks about himself or speaks of himself as the light, it means that he shows himself to be the truth and the way. Isn't that amazing? You see, we're not just praying to just the God up there. He is a light that shines into your life every day of your life. Every day. Every person on this earth we created with the need to see and to experience what they see. How many of you want to see and experience what you see? Like, you remember when we had the bride last week, we had the jumping castle, yeah? Come on, all the men, and you see the jumping castle, but you really want to experience that thing. You want to jump on that thing, but because it's age-restricted, we are only at Vimpy testing it. Only Vimpy. <laughs> but we want to experience it. Isn't that? We want to see and we want to experience, but if you can't see, you don't know what, to, what you want. See, light brings the truth into our lives. If you want truth in something, look for the light. When I have a certain conversation, I look for fruit and truth. I want to see the fruit in your life, but I just want to see the truth of the gospel and the truth of the kingdom and the truth of God's presence in your life. 
Now then verse 34 goes on and it says something really amazing. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. Let it sink in. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when it is unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. I'll just remind you that Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. He says, when your spirit is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. What is light? Jesus. But when your spirit is unhealthy, whatever comes into your spirit, your body is filled with darkness. Now Jesus says, no matter what you do, your spirit will be filled. It's a given. I always say to people, if you don't have somebody that disciples you, the world will disciple you. But you will be discipled. Now let me use not non-religious word. If you don't have somebody that speaks into your life and mentors you, the world will mentor you and speak into your life. Social media will speak into your life and mentor you. So make sure what comes into your life, because you have the opportunity and the, 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 you have the, um, the ability to choose who speaks into your life. I'm very careful with that, who speaks into my life. Who, to who do I open my heart and my spirit to? It's all determined what we receive through the eye of our spirit. Everything is determined, health or unhealthy. Do you want to be healthy as a spiritual, as a Christian, as a believer? Then you need to make sure what you fill yourself with. What light shines into you. Now, listen to what the Passion Translation says in this Luke 11.34. Let me just read it again. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when it is unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. Look at the Passion Translation. The eyes of the Spirit allows revelation light to enter your being. When your heart is open, the light floods in. But when your heart is hard and closed, the light cannot penetrate and darkness takes its place. Do you, do you think it, now it makes sense why the Pharisees ask stupid questions like that? When they see all these miracles, all these phenomenal things that happen, and still they say, but y'all show us a sign. Because whatever they penetrated their hearts or allowed into their hearts, hardened their hearts even more. They were looking for religious ways. You see, the eye is our spiritual perception every day. What you perceive around you. And it opens our heart to the truth and the light of the Word and the Spirit. But as soon as we harden our hearts because of religion, the light cannot penetrate. See, religion is, is a killer for, for believers. It kills the grace and the mercy in your life, totally. It kills it. It takes all the childlike faith away from you because you, are, you want to be religious, and that's what the, the, the Pharisees wanted. That's exactly what Jesus wanted the Pharisees actually to realize. They wanted to be religious, and Jesus said, but you need to realize this. It is hardening your hearts. See, their heart, hearts were hard and closed, and their spirits couldn't receive the truth of the light of Jesus. They couldn't. They couldn't recognize the Messiah right in front of them. That's how they could see Jesus heal, deliver, and loved everyone around them, and they still wanted to kill him. Because the way it should be, this is the law, Jesus, and you're not following the law, so you need to die. But Jesus just healed everyone, and he loved them, and he forgave them. 
But you're not allowed to heal people on the Sabbath. It's a holy day. Religion kills the Messiah. But then, man, I love this. Then Jesus shocked them all with verse 35. And he knocked them with this truth. Man, I love this. Verse 35 and 36. It says, make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. I, I, I literally read that. And it's like, what? Make sure that the light you think you have is, actually, is not actually darkness. If you are filled with the light with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant as, as, as though a floodlight were filling you with light. But his first sentence knocked me for a six. And I realized that if Jesus says, make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. I was shocked when I realized how many believers sit in church today with a hot-hearted, closed to the truth. And yes, it is possible. It is. The disciples thought they were the givers of life and truth. Because we are the Pharisees. The truth starts here and people come to us for the truth. Suddenly Jesus knocked them and said, make sure <laughs> that you think you have the light, but you don't. You've got darkness. And people sit in church nowadays, and I'm not talking about, I'm not pointing fingers today. I'm just talking in general in the kingdom of God. People are sitting in church, religious, knowing or thinking they've got the truth of the light, but yet there is still darkness in their hearts and religion. And I can prove it to you. If you go back 10 chapters or 8 chapters to Luke 4, Jesus was, told, was uh, it's not on there, I'm just, I'm just speaking. Jesus was talking in the synagogue, and he was preaching the truth. And suddenly a man manifested in church, a demon-possessed man. Jesus cast out the demon and boom, done, free, delivered, amazing. Now, <laughs> Jesus preached in the synagogue, in the church. Now it's important to notice that this demon-possessed man did not cry out with a loud voice until Jesus pitched up. He was singing songs and enjoying church and that's amazing. The people sang their songs and said their prayers and they read their scriptures and the devil enjoyed it all. Yay. But when the power of God came on the scene, suddenly the devil was upset. He did not like this. You see, we can't afford to sit in church religiously or come to a religious gathering without the presence of God. And why was the devil upset? Because religious ceremonies is no threat to him. I think the devil knows this word better than most of us. It's no threat to him. But when the glory of God is manifested and the Spirit of God is moving, man, the devil is running. He's upset. And that's why we can't afford to play church. We need to have the presence and the power of God in our lives. We need to make sure that the revelation about Jesus and the word we carry in our hearts is true light and not fake. I was there. I sat in church. I read my Bible. I knew some scriptures. Yay. But I was walking in darkness because I had no presence and power in my life. But that doesn't mean that half of the church is demon-possessed. <laughs> Don't worry. I was worried about that when I was saved. But if you're saved and you're spirit-filled, 
It means that there's no place for, for anything else than God. We can, though we can be oppressed with lies and thoughts, but you can't be possessed if you, don't have, if you have the Holy Spirit. But the truth is we need Jesus. That's it. We need Jesus, but we, we need the light and the power and the presence of Jesus in our lives. And that's what Jesus said to these guys. He said, you need to wake up. Your hearts are hardened. You are flooding your spirit with darkness. You think you've got the light, but you've got nothing. And it's time to wake up that I'm bringing the light. That means that I'm bringing the presence and the freedom and the power of God so that the religious law can die with me on a cross. You see, the Pharisees saw themselves as the one who understood the truth the best. They were the givers of life and light. No, no, they were not. They had darkness in their hearts. And that's why Satan disguises himself as the angel of light. Do you know that? You think you have got the light, but you've got the darkness. And that's quite a conundrum, isn't it? So that's the, his great deception. To make people think they found the light, and in fact, they're in darkness. So here's the answer to the question that I'm proposing. How can we make sure that we stay in the light and not go to the darkness without knowing it? How? That's a good question, isn't it? Now let's look at a lamp quickly. Three very important components. There's an old biblical lamp, and I love that. Now if you look at a lamp, and, and I was thinking about this this week, and God just gave me this amazing revelation about a lamp. The true light. A lamp has three very important components. It's got the lamp, the oil, and the wick. You know what the wick is, the little toki there in the middle. The wick. Yeah. For Afrikaans people, it's very important to say that. Yeah. So you've got the wick, and the, 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 you've got the lamp, you've got the oil. Now this is how it works. You fill the lamp up with oil, and you place the wick inside the oil so that the top, little top of it sticks out on the lamp. And then you light the wick and it is filled with oil to the top and the oil starts burning through the wick. Now the question is, why don't the wick burn up? Ever thought about that? Because when you light a candle, as the candle goes down, the little wick burns up. Now this is why. And this is so amazing. The wick transports the oil from the, from the oil, because it lies in the oil, it transports the oil to the top. And when you light that wick, the oil actually burns above the surface of the wick. It burns above the surface of the wick. So what is the purpose of this wick? It's to pull the oil out and provides oil and life to the light. But if we leave the lamp empty, guess what? The wick will still light, but it will burn up. It will destroy itself. See, there's no, <laughs> no significant constant light. It's just light, pff, gone. But there will be a quick light, but not a constant, specific light. See, the wick needs the oil to stay intact and give flame to not be destroyed. Now, let me explain. The lamp is the word of God. The wick is us. It's you. The oil is the Holy Spirit and the presence of God in our lives. And the flame is Jesus, the light of the world. 
You see, when we have the Holy Spirit and the presence of God pouring through our lives, when we suck that up from the Word, when we read the Word through the lamp, God's presence comes and flows through our life, and then guess what? Jesus starts shining from you to the world around you. Isn't that a beautiful analogy? But see, so many Christians have the lamp, they are the wick, and they want the flame, but they have no oil. There's no oil. There's no oil to sustain them as Christians through their lives. And I, because I'm not sustained, I struggle. And then I burn up and I need to recover myself. And that's why people are burned in church, burned here, burned there. They are offended by this, offended by that, because they don't have the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. We need that. We need that. We, the church can't afford to go without the presence of God. And I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just saying as a kingdom, as a kingdom of God, as churches growing and maturing and advancing, we can't go without the presence of God. It's like Joshua, when he took over from Moses, God said to, um, the, the people said to, Josh, uh, to Joshua, we're going to go there, and he said, you can go wherever you want to. Me and my family will go where God's presence is. He knew the power of the presence of the Holy One, of God of the universe. We need Him. We need Him in our lives. See, we can read and know the Word of God. You can even memorize some scripture. But if you don't have the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we will never see the light of the truth, of the grace of God. You know why people don't understand the grace of God? Can I be honest? Because they don't have the oil of the presence of God in their lives. We need more of the oil. That's why some days I will put my Bible aside, put worship music on and say, Lord, I need your presence today. I need you to touch me. I need to experience your peace as I'm worshiping today. So one of the most powerful weapons for us as kingdom is when we worship. When you go through anxiety, stress, whatever, just put worship music on in your car and sing as if you are the only one in the world. I was driving when I was still in Poch and I was leading a, a student congregation. I was driving to Joburg one day and I was, um, I was part of this. Um, on your, from Poch to Joburg on the N12, there's some robots that you park next to Soweto before Soweto. And, and there was like 10 cars in front of me and two cars in front of me was the Toyota Corolla and the car was going like this. I was like, what is going on with the car? And, then, and as I was driving, there was a woman driving to work and she was worshipping. But the car was literally going like this. I thought, man, that is so amazing. She's just pouring out everything she has by herself in her car. She doesn't care what people think, but she's just enjoying that moment. She's finding the oil so that when she burns, that the true light of Jesus and the true light of the, the truth will shine from her life. See, we can't afford to do life without us burning with the right oil. I don't know about you, but that's, that's so, such a need in my heart to know that I'm burning with the right oil. I have oil in my life. There's so many people on earth that, that have the lamp but burn themselves because they seek the revelation of the Holy Spirit and power of God without the oil. They need that oil. We need that oil. Can we pray together? Let's stand together and I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you that you are the Holy One. 
the God Almighty. Father, we want to declare this morning that we cannot go and be without your presence. We need you, Father. And so many of us have gone dry. Our lamps have run dry through issues and worries and anxiety and the rat race of life has dried up our lamp. And Father, we realize this morning that we need you more than ever in our lives. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.